On the Record with White House Correspondent April Ryan. Ed Gordon, congratulations on Conversations in Black. I like this book for a multiplicity of reasons. Um, one, you interview a lot of different people uh, cross-generationally uh, on matters of race, issues that affect us from economics to education uh, to so many different things, to so many different areas. But at the end, you offer something that I've never seen in a book uh, by journalists. You give them prompts for questions because race is such a hard issue to tackle. Talk to me about the concept, how all of this came to be. I mean, this is really a good read and a good book. Thank you, April. And let me, first of all, thank you for hosting a Q&A at Howard University for me the other day. Anytime. And, you know, we've been buddies a long time, yes. and I appreciate it. But, you know, you and I both know often you get great uh, conversations before and after the formal interview. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be great to capture those kinds of conversations? I started the uh, idea of this back in 2012, quite frankly, and got a new pro- another project and had to put this down. And then I picked it back up and I thought, man, wouldn't it be great if we were all in the same room together? And what I did is I created a virtual conversation between all of us. So at the end of the day, you have Harry Belafonte, the icon Harry Belafonte. You have Jamal Hill. You have Killer Mike. Uh, you have D.L. Hughley. You have Angela Rye. You have April Rain. You have a host of, you have Dr. Uh, uh, Julianne Malveaux. You have Michael Steel, the former head of the RNC, you have a hodgepodge of ideas, different ideas, but all in an attempt to help the black community. What did you find uh, that was similar and different in some of these conversations? Yeah, each chapter is a different topic, topics that we all talk about, some of which we've been talking about for years and some current day. I mean, it runs from Black Lives Matter to a reflection on the Obama years. We talk about um, the 2020 election, of course, uh, the Donald Trump years, uh, images in the media. We really run the gamut. And what I found, quite frankly, April, is uh, the first chapter is the state of black America. And Michael Eric Dyson says it was the best of times and the worst of times. And that really is what we find. There are a lot of, obviously, African-Americans who have made great strides and been able to become successful in their fields. And there are some who still struggle. Um, and, and much of that struggle is not because they can't do it. systematic struggle um, that, you know, America hasn't seemed to figure out. And one of the things that rang true to a lot of people was a question of whether or not we need uh, a black agenda. That's been talked about, as you know, for decades and decades. We've not seen one, quite frankly, come to fruition. And I walked away with a lot of people feeling that, you know, there needs to be a game plan as we continue our fight and our struggle and our continued um, journey to justice. So... Chapter one starts with what's going on, Marvin Gaye, 1971, one of your favorite songs and entertainers. But I think about that time and and, and, and he actually gave the state of black America in that song, picket signs, wore all sorts of things. And then just a few years before that, um, the state of black America was 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 put forefront in 1968 with the Kerner Commission report. Um, but at the end of the day. You go from the 1950s to today, and you end the book with 
the narrative and a conclusion. What is the state of black America? What is our narrative? What is the conclusion from then to now? Well, I think what we found is people uh, truly believe that we are in a place where we have made tremendous strides. You'd be foolish to think that, you know, the last 50 years um, have not been um, positive in terms of the growth of African-Americans and people of color in terms of opportunity. But you'd also be foolish to believe that America is living up to her promise and her creed uh, for all. And, you know, there is uh, not a sense of true equal opportunity across the board. And so what we want this book to be is the discussion and the want to find new narratives to bring us um, to a place, quite frankly, where America is living out her promise. Because, April, you and I know, I mean, the grand opportunities that we have had as individuals alone um, is, is tremendous. And, and, and really, as we always say, we stand on the shoulders of others who could not achieve what we've been able to achieve, if not for, you know, their fight and struggle. And so the other thing that people have to realize as we and you have seen it up close and personal at the White House and, and your personal struggle there is the idea that America is better and stronger if she lives up to her creed and that we really believe that opportunity is there for all. And it has nothing to do, you know, with your economic background, with the melanin in your skin, um, or anything of that nature. Uh, and I hope that this book leads us to, and we're encouraging people to read it in a group, um, have your own conversations, and then decide on actionable items. Now, you don't do, you don't need a leader to tell you what to do. Uh, you can really have a band of your own and make a difference in your home, in your community, on your block, in your schools. Uh, you know, we can um, make life better, not only for African Americans, but for all in this country. Uh-huh. Well, at the end of the day, um, this book is not just a book for conversation uh, in a home, but in, I guess, book clubs. And also it could be used as a book in an uh, institution of higher education. This book is really something uh, for history. And you started this book in 2012, and it's now 2020. In those eight years, um, is there anything that you felt like needed to be really pushed out more from this book? I mean, the times have changed. You started this book at, what is it, the first term, into the first term of Barack Obama. You were talking about Trayvon Martin. And now we're at 2020, still debating about take, whether we should take a knee between Jay-Z and, and, and Colin Kaepernick. Exactly. And, you know, the, the impetus of the book was born in, in 2012. And what I had to do is I put it aside. I began uh, to do a couple of interviews. And as I mentioned to you the other night, those interviews included interviews with Bill Cosby. Uh, the late Maya Angela was one of the people in that iteration of the book. And of course, she has left us since. Um, so I had to really start from scratch again, because much of what was talked about was dated to some degree, but unfortunately, the issues are still the same. And so uh, what we hope this can be is the idea, just as you said, you know, a learning tool for all of us to start to move forward and to better our lives and, and not to feel like a victim. Uh, you know, we have to believe, and April, you know, I, I've seen this just in, in your growth 
you know, there was that spark that said to April Ryan, uh, this is bigger than me. Uh-huh. And I've got to stand up, not just for me, but for a community of people. Uh, and you've done that. And, uh, you know, I've told you privately, and I'm happy to say it publicly, you know, we're all proud of you and behind you. And I think uh, you and I and others have tried to support one another as we move through these times. And that's what we need as a community, you know, that sense of support and, and want to for all of us to succeed and to make it better. And I appreciate that you talk about this being something that HBCUs should look at because not just HBCUs uh, though, not just HBCUs. No, I I agree with you. I I agree with you a hundred percent, but the idea that, you know, young people need a sense of guidance and uh, a sense of, because it's as uh, you know, in this book, we have generational differences, quite frankly. You know, we've got uh, one of the sisters, Alicia Garza, who is one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter. Um, you know, we've got other generational people who, you know, deal with the traditional black leadership, Sharpton, Mark Morial, and others. And what we're seeing is, as we have in the past, these generational differences. So we need to be smarter and not get caught up as we have in the past. But we want to move forward because, as you know, these are times that can, in fact, be very dangerous. We are already seeing regression, and we don't want that to happen. And so I'm hoping that this sparks conversation and then actionable items. Okay. Well, I'm going to say this. Um, a couple of uh, universities uh, let me know that they were using uh, my book, uh, The Presidency in Black and White, my first book, uh, in their syllabus in some of those, in some, in some classes. So, and then if they can also do that, and they can, some schools can have The Wire, um, a course taught on The Wire, why not? Ed Gordon, Conversations in Black is probably going to be in a bunch of universities and schools. And it's not just about journalism. It's about black history and and, and urban studies. So I wish you well on this book. This is a great book. I encourage everyone to read it. April, thank you so much. I'm always appreciative that, you know, we have a friendship and one that goes beyond that in terms of always trying to be there for one another. And I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Ed. Number one bestseller coming soon. New York Times. I'm looking forward to that. Ed Gordon, Conversations in Black. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, April. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.